TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michaelsflooringoutlet.com. On the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. And welcome to Overnight America. How about that? It's a debate night. The debate just ended. It was on PBS. And I was able to watch it because of their video stream. So I watched it on YouTube. And I wondered how this might be different than the first debate. And at first I thought, oh, they're just going to carbon copy there. <laughs> because a lot of their opening statement, in particular to Shar Jones, gets out. And I think she may have used her first opening statement from the first debate because she said essentially the same thing. And I thought, this is kind of a new debate. You're supposed to come to the table with new material. It's like when a comedian goes to a comedy club and you have the same crowd. And they try to use the same jokes and the crowd says, hey, we already heard that one. <laughs> it's not like a musician where you can just go play the same songs or anything like that. You're running for mayor. They want to hear new things. And even though it's a week separated, there was a couple of moments that really stand out that I wanted to play for you, at least to open up the show. And we'll open. Well, I mean, we'll talk about it. In fact, if you wanted to talk about it, you could. 314-436-7900. Or 800-925-1120. I'm going to guess you probably did not watch it. Now, we had the luxury last week of being able to have the debates on KMOX. It was great. This time around, I was on the YouTube channel. And to kind of get an idea of how many people were watching it, around 220, 230 people at any given time were streaming it live on the Internet. So that's one thing. It, it kind of gives you an idea of... You know, the the interest levels. I think there are a lot of people that are interested in this sort of thing, but they may already know who they're voting for. Do I just go straight to the hits? Do, do I play a recap of what really played out? Okay, this is what I'll do. I'll go straight to the hits because there was one part where they go back and forth on transparency. And I think this is the clip before it. Kara Spencer, who is running up against Tashara Jones. Spencer talking about the transparency of the office there. Stacey, if I may, uh, I need to clear something up. There was not a single contribution to my campaign that wasn't reported. While there was a small hiccup in the time during which it was reported, under no circumstance did we fail to report a single uh, issue. On the other hand, if we're going to talk about transparency, we should look at how transparent the treasurer's office currently is. If you go to St. Louis uh, Treasurer's website right now and look up the 2020 report, 
It's a whopping one page, one page to describe the ongoings of financial happenings in our treasurer's office and our parking fund for the last full year. When I'm elected mayor, we will take transparency seriously and we will make sure that every single contract, every single expenditure is accounted for, just like you see on the city's budget as opposed to how we handle it currently, if we wanna see how the transparency of the, the, the $500,000 would be handled under the treasurer, all we have to do is look at the treasurer's transparency on her website right now. All right, so I decided to go to the website to see for myself, and they only have a few years, like the last couple of years, posted online when it comes to their reporting. And she's right, you go back to the first report, because what they do is they show the most recent in order of most recent first. So you go to the first report they have listed, which is 2020, you click on it, and it is one page. It looks like a PowerPoint presentation where a couple of people put like some photographs in there, it's colorful, and it doesn't give you any information. It's not a report, it's more or less a placeholder. And you would think we're getting to April, it's March 30th, yeah, the report should be in by now, it's a little bit late. And considering that she's running for mayor and you want to talk about being, you know, my office is transparent, you think you would have that information up by now. So Kara Spencer's absolutely right. And there's a whole track record of problems with Tashara Jones when it comes to transparency and issues internally inside of her office when she's been in office there. So how did she respond to that? Treasurer? Well, if she had filed her reports on time, then we wouldn't have we wouldn't have had to fight. There wouldn't have been an ethics report filed against her. Uh, for failing to report those uh, those contributions in a timely fashion uh, right before the March primary. So that that is that is the issue. That is what it is. Um, and so I stand on, on what I said. What do you say to her criticism of the transparency of your office currently? We are very transparent. You can go to stltreasurer.org and look up our transparency portal uh, and see for yourself. All right. And you can see for yourself. Kara Spencer is 100% right. There's a one page, and it's mostly graphics. It's not even a report. So um, she didn't really address that. She didn't address why there is no report there, and she's running for office. And keep in mind, there were all of these different contracts that were put into place last year, and they even go even further into it because they traded a couple of jabs not that long after. And part of it is these no-bid contracts, and Tashara Jones, known for them. How many no-bid contracts do you need? And if you're a government official that is entrusted with a large budget, why in the world would you have these uh, contracts signed without bidding? We're talking, this is taxpayer money. This isn't them deciding to spend their own money. As they know, it's, uh, you know, I'm gonna decide to hire this one roofing company because I like them and I trust them without going through the process of bringing multiple people up. So let's uh, play that maybe after the break and you can kind of hear those jabs back and forth. But obviously, Char Jones was dodging that question for a while there. It was like the first half hour of the debate. It was boring. There, there wasn't anything new. It sounded exactly the way it sounded the first debate. It wasn't until they started to address the problems of the other candidate that things got a little bit more exciting. And it's not that we're looking for fireworks when it comes to this. I just want to make sure that if you're running for office, you're going to just not be up there to represent the party. You're telling me why you think you're the best person for the job. You know, oh, we're both Democrats here, so we can we can do this and we can be uh, soft. And no, no, I, I think that you owe it to the people that are going to go vote to really let them know how you feel on these because they want to be able to vote for the best person. So uh, let me go to Dan, who's calling in. Welcome to Overnight America. Hi, thanks for taking my call. I tell you what, um, I think Jones, uh, you know, I, I don't believe anything that she has to say, to be honest with you. I really like Spencer, 
But I think she could have really uh, gotten Jones uh, sweating really hard tonight if she would have uh, gotten more, uh, you know, more stronger towards her asking other questions and uh, and that's uh, and other things. But uh, I think Spencer could have taken total control of this if she would have uh, tried to, a little bit harder. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, they could have gone harder, and that's true. They started to towards the end, and I'll play this after the break so you can kind of get a pretty good idea of a few jabs of back and forth. But there's a lot of things to pick from when it comes to Char Jones. In fact, I can go through some of the headlines that were reported uh, back in 2017. Here's uh, Channel 4 Investigates. Tashara Jones, as an elected official, took 50 paid trips with public funds. 50 paid trips. 50 paid trips with public funds. Are you kidding me? Why in the world would that office need to be traveling all across the country? And I think even some internationally. Uh, Here's one from Fox 2. Uh, Take home car for St. Louis City official with a $96,000 salary. Why would the treasurer making hundred grand a year need a vehicle allowance? That's a good question. And that's taxpayer money. She got upset when Fox 2 asked that question. Here's another one. In 2020, FBI examining activities of the St. Louis treasurer's office. There was a report that came out that said an agent with the Federal Bureau of Investigation contacted them in recent weeks seeking information. One of the topics of interest was this three-year, $7 million contract to Shara Jones signed in April with her friend and campaign donor. This is, again, one of those no-bid contracts. $7 million, no-bid contract to a friend and campaign donor. How is that transparent? Here's one from July of 2018, Channel 4, KMOV. St. Louis issued more than 300,000 parking tickets in 2017. Some for violation enforcers don't understand. That was one of those deals where Lauren Drager investigated it, and they realized they were just willy-nilly throwing these things out. Go ahead and tell me, uh, why wasn't that addressed? Or how about this one from 2017? And this one was reported from... Uh, let's see what publication this was. I think this is the Business Journal, St. Louis Business Journal. Lawsuit alleges Jashar Jones fired employee in political retaliation. And these are just some of the headlines that are readily accessible. So there's a lot of things you could look at and say, hey, while you were in office, you keep trying to sound like you have all of these connections. Okay, what kind of connections do you have? And how are you using it if there's an abuse of power going on? So I wanted to play a couple of more clips from the debate, at least one more, and it's a longer one, where they did the back and forth. And this might have been the most interesting part of the debate uh, from earlier. If you want to call in, you can. 314-436-7900. And a little bit later this hour, Brad Jones, or Brad Young, excuse me, from (laughs) Aristotle Fisher and Young. Brad Young on some of the Supreme Court news from today. There was actually a couple of cases that are deciding to take up and are going to be looking at, which is uh, which is good. So Brad Young's going to join us and talk about that a little bit later. This is Overnight America KMOX. Work or play? KMOX is right there with you. We go where you go. And welcome back. As you heard, KMOX, now a Odyssey station, which is a new thing today. You may have even noticed that on the website, KMOX.com, which I thought was pretty good. 314-436-7900. There was a moment during the mayoral debates here, the St. Louis mayoral debates, that they traded some jabs back and forth, and they got into it, which is good. That's kind of what you need to do. This 
this um this problem of hey we're basically uh, on the same page type of stuff I, you really have to make sure you know what you're voting for so you have to have some conflict here and there was some of it and we'll play that in a moment but big ed is calling in welcome to overnight america well thank you very much and my wife and i both watched it i'm i happen to be from Litchfield, illinois I'm the Planning Commission Chairman here in Litchville and understand economic engines. We have a $20 million a year budget here in Litchville. We're working very hard to, uh, uh, to get things done. But my question is, is that when the Enterprise Center was asking for a little help to help the inside of the building, which had not been touched in 25 years, I tried to find information from Tassar Jones' office about how much money is derived from the revenue of parking behind the city hall, of which nothing goes to the Enterprise Center, the Keogh Garage attached to Enterprise Center, which is filled every night, and also the parking right next to the city jail, that multi-story facility there. Nobody or she would never, ever say how much money is derived from that. And it's not just uh, the 44 home games of the Blues. It's the 175 events that Enterprise as an economic engine presents for the city of St. Louis. Why does she not divulge that amount? Good question. Uh, And you think that would be something as a government agency that you would have to do that. But now keep in mind, there was even lawsuits associated. And it finally got to the point where they said they don't have to, which is very surprising to me. But for the sake of transparency, for the sake of knowing how taxpayer money is being spent, this is a government agency, after all, that should have been done. And I think that needs to be pointed out. And it's it's good. It's a it's a valid point. I think it is. Thanks for uh, calling in tonight. I think it is a very valid point. And I think it's one that. Tashara Jones, during her time, it's just another thing you can add into the issues of lack of transparency. As much as she wants to try to divert some of these things, there are a lot of issues there that have been not addressed. And part of it, too, is that when she lists off the people that are in favor, like uh, Sam Page supports me, that doesn't make what do you what do you mean? OK, Sam Page doesn't have the best track record either. In fact, go and look at the county and talk to the business owners and ask, hey, uh, How do you think Sam Page was handling the virus, the restrictions that were higher in the county than they were in the city and what that did to put a strain on so many different businesses, let alone if you lost a job because of that or you had your hours reduced? Go ahead and tell me how much you like Sam Page's added restrictions that a lot of people look as unfair and unnecessary considering they were not evenly applied, you know, restaurants being the hit the uh, hardest. So let's let's look at that. And even we had uh, the mayor, Lida Krusen, point out that some of these different uh, numbers that they were pointing to to justify their actions in the county just weren't there. <laughs> they just were arbitrarily made up. So is that what you want? <laughs> That's not what I want. So let's play part of the back and forth between the debate here tonight. The jabs. I think this starts with Kara Spencer. Let me take a listen. There absolutely has been, has been documented issues with the audit of the Treasurer's Department. In fact, 17 out of 26 contracts had no bid or proposal associated with them. That's a whopping 65% of all contracts coming out of the treasurer's office had no transparency associated. There's absolutely a problem with this. We not only need a mayor that we can trust, we need a mayor with a team we can trust. The deputy chief of staff of the mayor's office was pled guilty last year for embezzlement from a East St. Louis charity just last year. And the underwriting entity that is underwriting $55 million worth of bonds for the treasurer's office had an SEC violation so large that it went 
belly up the entire entity. Look, we need transparency in city government. I have been fighting against special interests, not one time, but every single time at City Hall. And to conflate a, a day late and, and, and uh, filing out a campaign contribution, which all were filed with a failure to do fair and open bidding processes, just because it's legal, Treasurer, does not mean it's right. Treasurer. Okay, so I'll play the rebuttal there for a moment, but she's saying, okay, I filed one thing a day late and it had to be more of a filing issue. It's not that she didn't file it. So now that coming up to say it's the same as, oh, I don't know, bidding, uh, uh, giving a $7 million contract to a person that you're a friend with and is a campaign contributor is not the same thing as filing uh, a piece of paperwork a day late. So not the same thing whatsoever. And let's also point out Steve Stanger is in federal prison right now. And look at all the dirty deals he did in the county. And people go back looking at these contracts, the preferential treatment with the contracts. We still don't know what goes on with the, the uh, Northwest Crossing building over in St. Anne, that government building there, that they were going to go back and look at the contracts. And why were they given preferential treatment? Why? Because of their campaign donations, perhaps. So now we have something very similar going on with Deshara Jones. you got these giant contracts and even a report of people looking into why a $7 million no-bid contract was signed. These are legit things. And Deshara Jones wants to make it sound like filing a piece of paper a day late. <laughs> not not fine. It's not that she didn't file it. It's not that she was trying to hide it. She's pointing out it was a day late to say it's the same thing as a no-bid $7 million contract. All right, let's see how Tashara Jones did the rebuttal on that. Treasurer Jones will give you the chance to respond, and then we'll move on to the next topic. Thank you. You know, we should ask the older woman why the firefighters... Oh, hold on, let me back this up. Ask the older woman why the firefighters want her to be a mayor so bad, because they gave her $7,400 in exchange for their endorsement of her as she voted for this uh, pension bill that's going to... Uh, that if it was approved, because it was not approved by the mayor it, and the budget director and the comptroller were against it, uh, it would have increased our pension costs. It would have ruined our credit rating and it would have uh, it would have been detrimental to our budget. And we cannot use American Recovery Act funds to fill pension budget holes. Uh, so, you know, we want we can go back and forth all day, uh, but there are plenty of, uh, uh, of of examples that we can bring up. The accusation that I am doing the bidding of the fire department is unconscionable. Do I support our first responders? You betcha. Do I support them having a pension? You betcha. But is that a quid pro quo? Absolutely not. Let's take a look at who's funding the treasurer's camp. I like this. She's like, you betcha. You betcha. <laughs> you, do I support the firefighters? You betcha. So wait, so is the stance of Tashar Jones firefighter shouldn't have a funded pension? Is that the stance of, come on now. So you're going to pick a fight with the firefighters? Okay, it's the police and the firefighters. I, this is what I don't get. If that's the battle you're going to take when called out for all the problems in your office, uh, you supported the firefighters. <laughs> come on now. Really? But is that a quid pro quo? Absolutely not. Let's take a look at who's funding the treasurer's campaign. If there were any doubt about who the status quo in this election was, the filing yesterday lays bare who is funding whose campaign. All of the old cronies whose names we know, the establishment candidate who has raised the most money, we're talking about the McKees, the Rainfords, and those who have been trying to privatize our airport have all lined up behind my opponent. Ooh, going back to the privatization of the airport, which is another thing. 
Um, so think about that. There's a lot that we didn't get a chance to play. That was a couple of back and forth jabs. Maybe we'll do that a little bit later because after the break, we'll take a look at your weather and Brad Young, a partner at Harris Dahl, Fisher and Young, uh, the Supreme Court taking up a couple of cases, one in Kentucky. That's pretty interesting. And a few more on top of that, one that has to do with NCAA college athlete compensation. The, they're going to look at that. And does the EEO, the equal opportunity when it comes to employment, you probably have seen the rules posted if you've ever looked for a job. You know the things that employers can and can't do when it comes to discrimination of, of employment. Is the White House uh, an organization that has to comply with that? And I kind of say this tongue-in-cheek in a way, but I'm going to bring up a question to Brad Young after the break on Overnight America KMOX. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. The boys of summer are ready. Baseball on the radio! The Cardinals 2021 season starts Thursday in Cincinnati. Follow the Redbirds all season long with Shannon, Rooney, and Horton on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals. From Harris Dow Fisher and Young, partner of that firm, Brad Young, how are you? I'm doing great, Ryan. It's great to talk to you. So you're going to be in doing the show Thursday night. Very exciting. And still you find time for me tonight to come on, even though all of these things you could be talking about, I guess, in a few days. Well, maybe, but you know, I I find it a joy and a pleasure to to sit in the big O and A chair <laughs> where my feet can't really touch the floor, you know, because it's just a massive chair for Ryan Recker. <laughs> uh, but I enjoy sitting in there and uh, and doing my best because it's a lot of fun. It works. Well, there's a few things going on in the Supreme Court, and I thought about you because I know you follow them pretty closely, and there was that one story about the Supreme Court taking up a case based out of Kentucky, and it has to do with an abortion law. We know that there is a different dynamic to the Supreme Court, and everyone wondered with that new dynamic, Amy Coney Barrett being confirmed at the end of last year, how that could change things like the abortion cases that come to the Supreme Court. So I was hoping you can explain what case they're bringing up and what it may mean. Sure, it's called Cameron versus EMW Women's Surgical Center. And what's interesting here, Ryan, is that even though it's an abortion case, it stems from Kentucky's 2018 ban on a very common uh, method of surgical abortion that is very gruesome that I won't even describe here on the air. Uh, but really, the case at the Supreme Court is not about abortion. What happened is this. Uh, in between the signing of this Kentucky law in 2018, which was signed by Republican Governor Matt Bevin, he then lost and a new governor was seated, and it's a Democrat, Andy Bashir. And so the Democrat governor now is saying, I'm not going to follow through and defend this law. I'm just going to let it 
be stricken, and I'm not going to defend it because he's a Democrat and he's pro-abortion. So what's happened is is that the uh, Kentucky Attorney General, Daniel Cameron, stepped in and is trying to pursue this case because the governor will not. And so he's filed a motion to intervene in this case. The lower court said he couldn't do it. So at the Supreme Court, really, even though it's an abortion case, and I know this is complicated because it's taken me longer than 20 seconds to describe it, uh, but what the, uh, the only issue at the court this term will be whether or not the Kentucky Attorney General, Daniel Cameron, whom I think will eventually be running for president in the not-too-distant future, whether he can step in in the shoes of a Democrat governor and still defend this abortion law. That's the only issue that's going to be in front of the court on this case. That's kind of interesting because, so how do governors play into state law? Mostly, you don't think of them having that sort of authority that some of the other branches that are associated with law, like the attorney general, would have. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously, if if there's a situation where uh, a governor refuses, for example, to sign a law or sign a bill into law, and then that law becomes challenged, the governor, as the head of the executive branch, has a lot of discretion about whether or not he or she wants to defend that law. And we're literally seeing that played out right now in Kentucky. Uh, and so the whole our whole view of the Supreme Court, the conservative versus the liberal and the pro-abortion justices versus the anti-abortion justices, none of that is truly going to come into play here because all of the issues are procedural. Mm, gotcha. So there's other things the Supreme Court are going to look at in the NCAA Athlete compensation has been debated for a long time. Should college athletes be able to make money while they are on scholarship and playing for a team? Are they able to sell their name, their services, things like that? In the past, colleges and athletes would both get in trouble for it, and there's been some pretty large cases for that. But it seems like that is also being challenged all the way up to the Supreme Court. Well, it is. And again, this is a situation that's in flux. Uh, because the NCAA case that's going to be up at the, with the Supremes this term, I, I think this is a fascinating concept because we've been debating this idea about what does it mean to be uh, a uh, an athlete? What does it mean to be an, an amateur athlete? What's the difference between a college athlete and a professional athlete? All of those are great big ideas. But this idea stems from the following situation. Uh, Sean Alston uh, who is a who was a running back back in 2014 for the West Virginia Mountaineers? Uh, he wanted all of his expenses covered under his scholarship, including the cost of computers and other things. And the university said, "No, we're not going to do that." And all of the universities in the Division One got together and said, "Even though we give these people a full ride scholarship, we're not going to pay for everything." Mm-hmm. And I, I even, in fact, experienced that. My my daughter had a quote, full-ride scholarship on rowing, but yet there were lots of things that weren't covered by that scholarship. So they just filed an antitrust lawsuit and said that all of these universities are firing to keep money from these student-athletes. So this isn't the issue about whether or not college athletes can be compensated. That's going to be an issue for another day. But this is going to decide whether or not these universities can agree among each other and whether that violates uh, antitrust laws, monopoly laws, whether they can get together and agree on what kind of expenses they will or won't pay to athletes, because 
That's the whole thing about monopolies and antitrust law. It's not like you can go to another system. If you want to go and be a Division One athlete, you're dealing with all of these same universities that all get together in the smoke-filled back rooms and make their decisions, and that's really the essence of this lawsuit. Wow. That's an interesting way to look at it because there's no alternatives. Is it even possible in college athletics to have an alternative um, to one organization? Because I, I think about how here in St. Louis, for example, there's two different unions for police officers, you know, and that's kind of weird. You think if you're a police officer, you're in a union or not in the union, but there's different unions for different people. And I thought about that with the NCAA. Is that even possible to have an alternative where you're, possibly represented by a different governing body while still going to the same college. Because otherwise, if, if that's not even a possibility, how could that be some sort of uh, monopoly? Well, it, it isn't a possibility. And so that's why the Supreme Court has struggled over the years. In fact, they dealt with this issue, I think it was back in 1984, when this issue first came to the Supreme Court about whether the NCAA is a monopoly or not. And, and basically what the NCAA, or rather what the Supreme Court said back in 1984, was that they're going to relax the antitrust rules for the NCAA as long as we're dealing with things that are reasonably related to preserving amateur and college sports to promote competition. And the court said back in 1984 that they would uphold any reasonably related rules against any sort of an antitrust challenge as long as they're reasonable. Well, lawyers love the term reasonable, Ryan. You don't want to know why? Because there's no definition of what reasonable means. So I can argue for my client. The other side can argue for their client. We can all use the same word, reasonable, and it's never defined. We love that word. Mm -hmm. So so that's really the, the, the gist of this particular litigation. Now, I think coming down the pike, as the NCAA starts to allow college athletes to be compensated to some extent, uh, and I know that there's rules being discussed for that, this is going to be heavily litigated because we're talking about huge buckets of money when it comes to athletes, just enormous buckets of money. And so anytime people are fighting over large buckets of money, that's when the lawyers get involved. So you're going to see that here, I think, as this issue expands to compensate college athletes, it's going to be heavily litigated. Mm -hmm. Brad Young from Hairstyle Fisher and Young and a couple of other cases that have to do with legalities. And what I was curious about, because I saw this headline from Yahoo News, and the White House put out a statement and said, if there's going to be another Supreme Court seat that comes up open in the future, that Joe Biden is committed to nominating the first black woman to the Supreme Court. And I thought about that, and it made me wonder, because whenever you post a job, there's certain laws and regulations. EEO comes in, equal opportunities for people that are applying for a job. And I thought, you wouldn't be allowed to put that into a job listing without getting seriously in trouble. And I thought, okay, can the Supreme Court be looked at that under <laughs> under EEO law? <laughs> you know, that... I. I got to tell you, whenever whenever we talked about this earlier today, I have truly never it has never occurred to me before today, Ryan. What a great what a great observation! And you know, as I thought about it, I, I do not think since this is an appointment and the Constitution gives the president pretty much exclusive power to appoint whomever he or she wants to the Supreme Court. Uh, I guess there would be the presumption that they have to have a pulse 
okay? But other than that, uh, I, I don't think there would be any other restrictions. So, no, I, I don't think uh, that, that anyone could challenge uh, that on the basis of the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. I, I've just never thought of that question. <laughs> and you get an A-plus for thinking outside of the box. <laughs> because I thought if you were to look at a job listing, oh, you can get in some trouble for putting something like that down, like you're specifically trying to target one race over another, things like that. Or even if you're trying to post a room for rent, you can get in trouble for saying things like that. <laughs> so it made me wonder well, on the federal hey, level if there was <laughs> something there. <laughs> Yeah, I'm still holding out for a president to say, I'm looking for a 50-something bald white man who's slightly overweight. You know, and that's, I, I'm looking, I'm looking for that nomination because I will apply for that in a heartbeat. Yeah, we'll be strongly considered. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> so all the other words and the lingo they use in those filings. But it also made me wonder, and I saw this one article from Reason.com. They're a pretty libertarian type of uh, publication, and they're, question was the basic income program. There's certain counties that are starting to deal with that, and there's a few in particular that have excluded white people because they said they want this to go to people that are minorities. They say that they have been particularly hit hard during the coronavirus, thus this money should be earmarked for them. And their question was, if you exclude a certain race from something like a basic income program, is that even legal? Um, What are your thoughts on that? Well, my initial thoughts are that. I actually looked at that issue earlier this week. And I believe it's Marin County, California, and the city of Oakland, California. And in those, in, in those municipalities, they're looking for private funding to give away privately donated money to start what is, in essence, uh, an experiment of universal basic income. We're going to give money to people who are minorities and other specific groups. So the money is privately donated. And I think that's what makes the difference in this case is if the money is privately donated, then there really wouldn't be any sort of a constitutional issue with that because private people can give money to anyone for any reason. The question becomes, how much involvement will Marin County or the city of Oakland have? And if they have any uh, direct involvement with regard to giving that money and deciding who gets that money, there are enormous, there's 14th Amendment issues with that. Uh, that that are just yelling and screaming, uh, and and many other issues because the government then is deciding who gets the money and who doesn't based upon their ethnicity, and and that's an enormous issue. So I'm certain that we'll see litigation from this, and the focal point will be what level of involvement does the government have in doling out that money. Interesting. And there's other programs and things I think that would be modeled after this when you see. Different places in California, there's normally this trickle-down effect where there's other cities or counties that want to mimic or try the same thing. And there's other organizations specifically that are asked to look directly at what California is doing, and then they want to try to do it here. So it's probably better to get those sort of things answered first. And it makes me also wonder why they think that government involvement this way would not be challenged. And why wouldn't you just do this through a third party altogether? Can, can the government even, let's say, promote this? So, or would that even be crossing a line? I don't know. There's something called the lemon test, which is is the test the Supreme Court uses in situations where the government is giving money to religious institutions. And one of the tests of the lemon test from the 1960s Supreme Court case is how much 
involvement, whether there is excessive entanglement is the exact phrase that the Supreme Court used in the 60s during the Lemon, Lemon versus Kurtzman, I believe was the name of that case. And so I would see something similar here, whereas if there is, is excessive entanglement with the government in determining who gets the money and who doesn't, then it could absolutely violate a, a lot of folks' constitutional principles, including due process. If they're just giving a list of he's, these are all the people that the census data shows fits your criteria for giving the money away, and they just give someone a list, I don't see that as being excessive entanglement. If they get into the business of determining who gets the money and making decisions, that would certainly be excessive entanglement. Uh, promotion, boy, that's just right on the edge. Uh-huh. So Brad Young from Hairstyle Fisher & Young, partner at the firm there, you're going to be doing this show on Thursday night. I'm very excited for it because you always come up with some great, great guests and things to talk about. Anytime I get a chance to listen to the days you fill in, uh, I understand why so many people write and say they love it when you fill in, so I'm really looking forward to it. Well, I'll be listening on Friday as you're filling in for Annie Fry. I believe uh, noon to uh, noon to three, I think, on ninety-seven one. So have a good time in the afternoon, my friend. Brad Young, Hairstyle Fisher and Young. Thank you very much for coming on tonight to Overnight America. My pleasure. And he joins us on the Bomberito Automotive Group guest line. This is Overnight America, KMOX. Overnight America with Ryan Recker is sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michael'sFlooringOutlet.com On the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Days go by so quick. These nights even quicker. Yeah, as you heard with Brad there a moment ago, we're going to have him in on Thursday night. I'm going to be going down to our sister station on Friday and hosting during the day on 97.1. I, I do that once in a while. I did a couple of morning shows a few weeks back. Every, you know, they sprinkle it in. And this is how I feel I'm used on 97.1. I think that there is a list of people that they normally has to fill in, and sometimes they can't do it, and they'll say, oh, we'll get the uh, we'll get that uh, Ryan fellow to go fill in. So it's always fun when I get to go do it. It's I'm in the building during the day. I get to see people I'm not used to seeing. Like, you know, I'm, I'm used to seeing my wife. And that's about it, wife and kids. And that's my extent of human interactions. So it's always fun when I get to do that. So uh, Brad's going to be filling in Thursday night. I'll be here for the rest of tonight and tomorrow night. And coming up in the next hour, we're going to look at a person that had a severe reaction to the COVID vaccine. And the photographs are scary. I'm not using it as a way to scare you. I'm just bringing it up because it is in the news. And now they're getting grilled because in San Diego, they're teaching people that are here illegally that are being detained, but they're not teaching the kids in person. What's up with that? We'll also talk to a financial expert, Bill Weston, about some incoming higher taxes. All coming up on Overnight America KMOX. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. 